Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast is an edited recording from our Sunday morning service held on July 23rd, 2023. For news and information, and to find out how to join us, please visit www.stjamesleith.org.uk. James's this morning. To those of you who are here in the building and to those of you who are joining us from home and an especial welcome to any of you who are visiting us for the first time. You're very welcome. I'm Ellie and I'm leading the service this morning and Ian will be reflecting for us a bit later on and we'll be looking together at living with the good and the bad in ourselves and in those around us. So let's, before we start, still ourselves, bringing our whole selves before God in the stillness as we light a candle to remind us of God's presence with us. With nature in its power and beauty, with rain and wind and sunshine, with the ancient rocks and the budding flower, we gather in praise of God. With believers and seekers the whole world wide, with people in every land and speakers of every language, we gather in praise of God with the angels and saints in heaven, and with all who have worshipped in this place, we gather in praise of God. With Jesus, who promised his presence, and the Spirit who showers her blessings, we gather in praise of God. Here, let heaven and earth embrace. Here may God's people find home. Amen. Amen. Trusting in God's forgiveness, let us in silence now confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. Come home to yourselves and to each other. May all that is unfree in you be released, and may you blossom into a future graced with love. Amen.
You made us all in your image. May we discern you in all that we see and serve you in all that we do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now we're going to sing our psalm this morning. Shall we sit down? Today's reading is from Genesis 28, verses 10 to 19. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. 
And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, this is the, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on, on the top of it. He, co- he called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Gospel is Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seeds in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the gospel. Good news for all. Praise to you. Loving God, as our psalm says, You know us, you created us in the womb. You know every part of us, and yet you still love us. So help us 
to, as you do, accept ourselves and others. Amen. Thank you. So our Old Testament reading today has a powerful description of what Celtic spirituality would call a thin place, a place where God's spirit and presence is tangible, where heaven and earth meet. And we have in the passage various imageries to show that, a ladder going between heaven and earth, the place being called a gate of heaven and a house of God. And it's a place which makes such an impact on Jacob that he marks it as sacred by he takes a stone, sets it up as a pillar, anoints it with oil, and names it, names it Bethel. And maybe not quite so dramatic as Jacob's experience, I think we all have special places or a number of special places at various points in our lives, whether that's in nature, whether it's in our own homes, whether it's a church or other building or elsewhere. It's a, a place where we feel more at home, where we feel connected to something larger, a place of restoration and transformation. And so this morning I'm going to describe a place for, for me that was very important as a way of leading us into our gospel and exploring Jesus' statement, extraordinary statement, that says to allow the weeds and the wheat to grow together. So uh, this place was on a, a retreat that I went to. I was discerning uh, my vocation, uh, and it was a three, four-day retreat in Southern Ireland. And on one of the days, we were told to do what's called a vision quest. I don't know, it's, it comes from native uh, um, Northern American, and you literally draw, you find somewhere in nature, and you draw a little square out, and you stay there. Um, we stayed there a whole day. I think in American culture, the native Indians, they sent their young men out from the village, from, uh, sent, and they, they were out there for two, three days, much more life and death situation. And on it, they often found they would be connected to an animal in nature. And so, anyway, I went out um, from where we were staying to find a spot. We were told to find our spot. Um, and on my way, I saw an otter, which was extraordinary, really, because there weren't, otters weren't around. And ever since then, I've always, I'd watched every program where there was on an otter to see what connection I had with the otter. And I have to be honest, um, I never really found uh, a connection except that they're incredibly playful and fun. So maybe that's what God was telling me, to be more playful uh, and fun. But what it did do was it raised my expectation that God was going to speak to me during that day, because you know, the, the sign had been there at the beginning. Anyway, I found this spot um, next to a, it was basically at the edge of a forest looking out onto fields, and it was this beautiful tree. I think it was an old sycamore tree, which in itself I think was sacred. And in each direction, you had a different view of which each picture, a picture of view, became a metaphor for something in my life, or very symbolic. So in the, looking out from the forest, uh, towards the west, 
There were these beautiful fields and these mountains, which were the Wicklow Mountains, which were absolutely stunning, which for me was about vision and the openness and all the amazing things uh, potentially that God could do. Uh, uh, that became uh, the symbol for that. And then to the north were these beautiful layer of bluebells and flowers. I mean, just absolutely carpet of bluebells. Stunning. And again, that became a symbol of beauty, the beauty of God, um, and uh, just really just takes yourself out and just see this beauty out of yourself that there's something bigger. Then behind was, it was just very dark and um, into the depths of the forest and that became a metaphor for the mystery of God, uh, things that I couldn't understand. And then I turned to the left, um, or I should say the south, so that was east behind the south, and it was f just full of nettles and uh, really wasn't very nice at all. There was a bit of iron stuff that had been chucked away, and it was a bit messy. And of course, that was a metaphor of the things that maybe the more ugly things in my life that I didn't want to look at. So what I did was I found my spot. I could have sat anywhere around this tree, and I looked sort of north-west, um, really, with the Wicklow Mountains over there and the beauty of the bluebells in this corner. I mean, that was, that was where I thought I was going to find God. And then in, back in, in behind my mind's eye, I could see the mystery of the forest. I thought that's a great uh, place to be. But as the day went on, I increasingly intuitively, I felt I needed to be looking at the nettles. That was, that was where the transformation, that was where I was going to hear God. And somehow the nettles were deeply connected to the bluebells. Something in, in me was saying, you know, the two are, are just, they're very, some, something connecting the two. So I swiveled round, so I can't remember, after a few hours and began meditating on this really horrible sort of patch of ground in front of me. And since then, um, it, it was very sort of affirming to see a bit of scripture that kind of affirms that intuition that I had, um, which is this extraordinary statement of Jesus that says, let the weeds, the nettles, and the wheat, the bluebells, grow together. For if you pull out the weeds, if you pull out the nettles, you'll uproot the wheat together. And it's an extraordinary statement because actually, most Christian uh, teaching tells us to pull up the weeds, get rid of our faults. Instead, Jesus is actually saying, let them grow together. So I, I want this morning to sort of circle around and explore this statement that says, let the weeds and the wheat grow together, for if we pull up the weeds, you will uproot the wheat as well. And I want to do it by looking through a Jungian, Carl Jung, um, a famous uh, psychoanalyst, psychotherapist, um, through a lens of his. And I do find it incredible that the teaching of Jesus, way back in first century Palestine, is confirmed in many ways by a world-renowned psychologist, psychiatrist, 
which I think shows the strength of the wisdom tradition of the Bible that Jesus comes from, that in there there was a huge wisdom that's since been um, seen as sort of scientifically looked at and researched and seen as true. So firstly, it's difficult really to define exactly what the weeds are. Later on in the passage, they do actually um, interpret the passage. And it always, it, for me, that when it happens a couple of times in Jesus where they interpret it, they always feel like add-ons a little bit and they take away a little bit from the power um, of, uh, of the parable. But it, they, they describe the weeds as evil. But I think they can be our sin, they can be our faults, they can be our wounds, they can be our weaknesses, they can be our pain, perhaps a mixture of all these things. And I'd like to propose that the weeds represent what Carl Jung calls our shadow, the part of our ego that we deem as negative, what we consciously or subconsciously hide, or we deny or we repress. And it's a place where we often bury our shame. And it's what we often refuse to see about ourselves and or we don't want others to see about ourselves. And Jung felt that it was buried sort of in our subconscious often. And Jung said that we all had this persona which we act from. And the Greek word for, uh, uh, is a stage mark, mask. We put on a stage mask. And the persona, I don't think, is necessarily bad or evil or egotistical. In fact, we need to act out of our persona in various parts of our lives. But it's not always fully true and authentic. It doesn't represent what Thomas Merton called our true self. And the problem comes, according to Jung, is if we develop our persona without attending to our shadow side. In other words, if we continue to hide, deny, and repress the weeds, they can have a great destructive power over us and unconsciously or consciously shape our lives. Either we turn it inwards towards ourselves negatively or we turn it outwards. We project our faults uh, onto others. We judge them, we blame them, and we attack them, often to make ourselves better. So. To take back my first analogy, if I'd carried on looking at the, beauty of the bluebells and the beautiful mountains and not attended to my shadow side, then various things would have been unattended to. And an indication of our shadow side coming into play in our lives is when we overreact to a person or a situation where our response is, is not proportional towards what's happened. So Jung's life as a therapist was aimed at working with people's shadow as a key to unlocking their potential. He even went as far as saying we need to befriend our shadow, embrace our shadow, ending this inner civil war that's inside ourselves. Now this does not mean we encourage or cultivate the weeds, but that we own, that we acknowledge, that we face up to faults, sin, wounds, pain, whatever we uh, label it as, and accept that they are part of ourselves. And by doing so, we effectively bring them out of the shadow into the light. So we 
it's accepting the reality that we're all a mixed bag of wheat and weeds, of light and dark. In fact, Jung even proposed that he, in his practice, he often said that the, the people whose light shone the most brightly often had the biggest uh, shadow. And uh, it reminds me of a story um, when I worked a little bit at St. James Piccadilly in London, um, the Trevor Huddleston, the great Trevor Huddleston, um, I don't know if you know him, but he was a priest that worked against apartheid in South America, and he was a bit of a hero of mine, and he stayed in a flat there with another friend of mine, and I was saying, well, what was it like staying with the great uh, Trevor Huddleston? And he just shook his head and he said, Ian, never ever share a flat with a great man. <laughs> <laughs> So, an example of light and shadow, I think. Um, and in the spiritual life, I think, and journey, the closer we get to the light, the cl closer we get to Christ, uh, the, all, all the spiritual saints of the past, the more shadow they saw. The closer to Christ, the more we are aware of our weaknesses, sins, and faults. So, the Jungian idea of shadow uh, was also illustrated um, in uh, Richard Rohr does these meditations in the morning and he tells a story and it's a story of Buddha and his interactions with the shadow god Mara who continually tried to distract Buddha from his quest to enlightenment through various temptations and and other means and he told us tells the story uh, that Buddha always acknowledged Mara with an awake and compassionate spirit, presence and spirit. And once when uh, the Buddha met Mara, he, he faced Mara with a firm but gentle voice saying, I see you, Mara. Let's have some tea together. A way of bringing Mara out of the open and disarming Mara's power. And just imagine if our response uh, to a surge of anger when we felt hurt was not to lash out, was not to talk um, behind somebody's back, was not to turn in on ourselves with self-judgment, but just to pause and say, I see you, Mara, let's have tea. Thereby gently acknowledging our feelings, helping us to respond to life with more clarity, graciousness, kindness, and ease. And in a less gentle way, uh, and I always think uh, Jesus and Buddha, they often a very similar path, but, but one's, um, uh, Jesus is a little bit more kind of punchy in a way, but of the kindness and gentleness. Um, but in a less gentle way, I think this is what Jesus was doing when he was tempted in the wilderness. He was facing up to his shadow, the attractive lure of power, of fame and wealth. And by facing these temptations, they no longer had the power over him and he was able to journey on the way of the cross. And so once we've accepted and acknowledged our shadow, why then don't we root them out, the weeds, um, and why do we let the weeds and the wheat grow together? That would be the question. And I think it's because the weeds, the wounds, the mess, that enable, uh, that's what enables the wheat and the bluebells and the beauty to grow. In other words, the weeds are the key to our transformation. If we rip out the weeds, the wheat may also be pulled out. 
St. Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with God to take it away. Now, again, we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was, whether it was a person or whether it was a personal weakness or whatever. But whatever it was, it didn't make Paul lose faith, but it drove him deeper towards God, making him increasingly dependent on God's grace, saying, it is in my weakness that I am strong. So the weeds and the wheat in Paul's life were closely intertwined. Similarly, Peter, in his encounter with the resurrected Jesus, is faced with his shadow, an experience so transformational that Jesus can say to him, go and feed my sheep, because he knows Peter is no longer acting out of his persona, but his true self. The masks have come off. The weeds and the wheat closely entwined in Peter's life. And this process repeats itself if you've met people in recovery. Um, there's a healing. Their healing is dependent, as with all of us, on facing their shadow, acknowledging their faults, pain, the hurts they've caused, uh, the masks coming off, the play acting stopping. And they know, even in recovery, that the weeds uh, are not completely uprooted. And it moves them to continually uh, depend on God's grace and continue with a, a ruthless honesty that ensures that the weeds cannot exert their power. And if you've ever talked to, to Robert in our congregation, who's very open about his uh, recovery from uh, alcoholism, you can see this in action. You can actually see the beauty uh, in his life coming out of the experience uh, that he's had. And it's that experience of uh, the weeds and facing up to the shadow that helps him help others come out of addiction. So again, the weeds and the wheat are closely uh, entwined. And there's a book by an author with the wonderful name of Pixie Lighthorse um, called Gold Mining the Shadows. And it shows how the shadow work can become an act of liberation with the potential to transform our lives and culture for the better, not just on an individual level, but on a community level. And conversely, it shows that if families and communities and institutions and countries don't deal with their collective shadows, they then project their pain, their fear, their dysfunction onto our planet, onto our earth, and to other groups, and that is what is happening. You just need to look at the news. It's what's happening with the refugees and asylum seekers. Let's project our stuff, our rubbish, onto them. So shadow work leads us to a radical, or should lead us to a radical, deep acceptance of ourselves as we truly are, so that we are kinder and more at ease with ourselves. And as our psalm says, God knows us. God knows us. There's no point us playing games uh, with God. It's, it, we often play games with ourselves. And shadow work also uh, provides freedom because we no longer expend so much energy in keeping up the persona. And keep, our mask can fall away. And if you notice throughout the Gospels, Jesus is infinitely compassionate 
with and gentle and patient to those who are weak or who are sinners, who are wounded, who are in pain, who have faults. Um, and that's because their personas, their masks, have often dropped. Instead, he holds his criticism to those who keep their masks on, who are hypocrites in a way, in effect, the Pharisees. So with this radical acceptance of ourselves, should then, the natural next step, should be a radical acceptance of others. Once we realize that we're a mixed bag of wheat and weeds, then we realize that other people are a mixed bag of wheat and weeds. And once we realize that, we can more graciously accept their faults and weaknesses because we've accepted our own. So I really, uh, probably a bit of a ramble circling, circling around that uh, quote, but I want to end with a quote from Richard Rohr that says, once we faced our hidden or denied self, there is not much to be anxious about anymore because there is no fear of exposure. We're no longer afraid to be seen by ourselves or others. The game is over and we are free. We finally are who we are and can be who we are without disguise or fear. Amen. God, you search us and you know us. All our thoughts are open to your gaze. We walk or lie down, you are before us, ever the maker and keeper of our days. So, as we pray this morning, let's ask God speak to us too, help us to listen. Let's pray that God will show us the weeds and shadows in our lives so that we can respond and do something about it. When I say the Lord is in this place, would you respond, this is the gate of heaven? The Lord is in this place. This, this is the gate, the gate of, of heaven. heaven. As we pray for the world, we pray for peace, as always. Particularly in Ukraine. And also at this time in Israel and Palestine. And we pray for the Israeli government making difficult decisions at this time. Pray for our response to climate change, that we will take the threat seriously as we pray for those who are suffering from heat and wildfires. We pray for our political leaders, that they will take these situations seriously too. The Lord is in this place. This is the gate of heaven. 
As we pray for the church, we pray that we'll be encouraged to be pilgrims in the world, that we'll be beacons of faith, that we'll be like lights, as, as God is a, a light to us, a lamp to our feet and a light for our path, because the stronger the light, perhaps we're going to see the shadows better. Help us as a church and as individuals to hear God speaking to us as he stands on that stairway to heaven. And the angels going up and coming down. The Lord is in this place. This is the gate of heaven. And as we think of those who are suffering, whose shadows are particularly dark, we pray for all carers, all those working in the NHS and for a resolution of the difficulties in the NHS at present. Pray for those suffering from dementia. and for those with disabilities. The Lord is in this place. This, this is, is the gate of heaven. And as we pray for ourselves, we pray that we will be searched and that God will know us. And make that clear to us. We ask that we may have a vision for our lives. That God will show us where we're going and equip us for that. And we pray for all our relationships with each other and with our God. The Lord is in this place. Yes. This yes. is the gate of heaven. And finally, a verse came to me this morning as I was thinking about the readings. It's from earlier in Matthew's Gospel. Pray to the owner of the harvest that he will send out workers to gather in his harvest. Amen. Praise and thanksgiving be to you, God of all. For by the cross, eternal life is ours, and death is swallowed up in victory. In the first light of Easter, glory broke from the tomb and changed the women's sorrow into joy. From the garden, the mystery dawned that he whom they had loved and lost is with us now in every place forever. And making himself known in the breaking of the bread, speaking peace to the fearful disciples, welcoming weary fishermen on the shore, he renewed the promise of his presence and of new birth in the Spirit, who sets the seal of freedom on your sons and your daughters. And before he was given up to suffering and death, recalling the night of Israel's release, the night in which slaves walked free, 
at supper with his disciples, he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body. It is broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup and he offered you thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. Loving God, thank you that you welcome us at your table, weeds and wheat together, and you love us and you accept us with that radical acceptance of weeds and wheat. So we ask that you would help us increasingly to accept ourselves and by so doing accept others. So loving God, be with us, be beside us, within us, next to us, when we look into our shadows, so that our beauty may be radiant and gorgeous and lovely for the benefit of others. Amen. Now we are nourished by Jesus our Lord.